You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Uh, Today on the show, I'm super excited to introduce a collector of an unusual form of media. Well, unusual to some people, maybe not some of our regular listeners. Uh, Anyways, that's big box games, but on like a much bigger scale than most of us. Uh, He also has a plethora of machines that could potentially play many of them. Uh, He's also a Guinness World Record holder, and he's also known as the PCK. And if you don't already know, I'll tell you today we are interviewing Anne Brass. Hey, how's it going? Uh, yes, it's going great. And I also have with me Paul. Hi, Paul. All right. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be sitting voyeuristically here in the corner. Aw. <laughs> well, you can sit next to me. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> so we are kind of friendly because the three of us all do have something in common. And although, I mean, obviously I haven't collected to the extent of you, but I also collect big box games and so do you, right, Paul? And you're right into like different versions of games and things like that. Yeah, I'm kind of a nerd for like the EGA, VGA, EGA and VGA uh, varieties and things like that. But uh, certainly nothing on... on, on uh, on end scale, that's for sure. <laughs> but then VGA, EGA, that's that's kind of like more of a graphics thing on what you collect then. Yeah, I, I really, I, I only like adventure games. Um, I, I try, I've tried to like other ones. I, I have, um, but but because it's just because it's just adventure games, it's it makes it a little easier collecting because. You know, basically, once I found myself with all the Sierra and Lucas titles that I was looking for, I was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of out of things that I want. So I guess, you know, now I'll just try and find the, the weird graphical variants and things like that. Yeah, for me, it, it actually for me started as well with the adventure games. I'm a huge LucasArts fan, and uh, that's how I already also started with, uh, with Monkey Island at first. That's, that's my favorite game of all time. Uh, Monkey Island mm. 1 and 2 both I like them equally as much and uh, yeah I tried to collect those boxes and this was actually in the in the start of uh, well not the internet but uh, maybe marketplaces online mm. mm-hmm. so there, there was uh, eBay just existed and uh, and we had this uh, Dutch marketplace as well um, online uh, mm-hmm. and that's when I started looking around well, there was this one one box in particular that I had before mm. I started collecting games, and it was Day of the Tentacle. Mm. Nice. Um, and that one uh, that one game triggered the whole event of uh, me collecting mm-hmm. games. Had uh, you had experience playing games as a kid, or or did you have computers around? What was your very very early background in this sort of technology? Um, well, it started out with my father uh, gaining a computer for his work uh, mm-hmm. he needed it to uh, uh, he was an architect for uh, electric wire cabinets uh, not sure how that translates um, but yeah he, he needed a computer uh, and the program AutoCuts to draw uh, mm. to draw very technical uh, constructions um, and from his colleagues he uh, every now and then he gained a diskette with uh, some games on it or even a floppy mm-hmm. disk, you know, these flexible big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those were games like uh, Sokoban and 
Um, and I think that the first game I played was Beast. Uh, it's a, like a game, three colors or four colors maybe. Um, but we didn't have uh, uh, that many colors on the screen. We just had a green, black uh, monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we only could see green, yeah. uh, and that was a that was a fun game. You know, had to you know, were monsters coming at you uh, all in ASCII art. So, uh, well, it's not not really art. It was just letters, uh, the letter H coming at you, and you had to crush <laughs> them between two walls. Uh, fun game, fun times, and uh, yeah. And every now and then, uh, my father got a new diskette with new games, and then uh, eventually. Uh, Prince of Persia came along, and uh, Commander mm-hmm. Keen. Uh, those are more the familiar games, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those, and that's that's when I really got hooked to playing games. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, I'm not sure if we were early uh, compared with other people in my neighborhood or in my, my friend circle, but... Uh, yeah, me and friends around me uh, from class uh, also had games at home, uh, and we just played the hell out of them. And you're you're quite quite obviously a, a fan of Prince of Persia because I'm a a fan of the channel, the YouTube channel LGR. So you probably know where this is going. And I was t- delighted <laughs> t- delighted to hear a familiar name pop up because you know, we've we've had interactions on Facebook and in the big box group and things like that. So when uh, when Clint or uh, LGR mentioned that he had a game from from uh, from Ann Bras. So I was pretty pretty excited to hear your name pop up, and it turns out you you programmed uh, a version of Prince of Persia, and it was for DOS, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that is correct. It's uh, called Mini Prince. Um, mm. Back in the day when when uh, I think I was around 50, 15 years old, mm-hmm. um, and at school there was a guy uh, who was doing some programming on QBasic or QuickBasic. And it looked so interesting and I, I wanted to know more about it because you had a screen and you could uh, put on the screen whatever you want by typing text. And I was just yeah. intrigued by that by that uh, phenomenon. And and I, I'm a creative guy. I love drawing a lot. I love uh, making things a lot. Um, and this was like the, in the digital world. I love playing games, so maybe I could do something uh, of myself. I could create my own games. Um, and this guy was was teaching me uh, all about it. Um, and it took me a few, uh, well, a couple of months, like maybe half a year, to master it a little bit. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not. I'm totally not a programmer, but I could do some basic things. Uh, and I managed to make it like a little tiny title screen um, and a little, like one screen, the first screen that you start in, uh, in the first level of Prince of Persia. Uh, uh, very tiny in ASCII. Um, because I noticed that this um, the size of a tile in Prince of Persia was... Um, it's like sort of a rectangular shape and I also noticed that these letters uh, in QBasic also had like a rectangular shape so if I would replace every tile for a letter then uh, then I ended up with a sort of grid uh, which was similar to that one of Prince of Persia mm. uh, and that also, also gave me the, the resolution for my game 
because I could just count the tiles and use that many letters. Uh, which made it quite, well, not easy, but uh, yeah, an, an, an interesting step to start with. Um, so I ended up with uh, with this first screen and uh, with the arrow keys, I managed to let this smiley face walk around and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that was fun. And then I, I left it for a couple of years, uh, well, many years actually. And uh, quite recently I found it again, uh, luckily. And I thought, well, maybe what would happen if I made the whole first level of Prince of Persia this way? Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. Uh, it's, it's really cool. So did you program that in DOS, like 6.2.2? It's Quick Basic. I really programmed it still in Quick Basic uh, because that's all I knew back then and still know. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just used uh, DOSBox to start the program and uh, uh, looked into it again because I had to relearn some stuff. Um, but now my thinking is all dif uh, different and I could tackle some uh, problems that I couldn't tackle before and things became a lot easier. Um, and since I, I love Prince of Persia, I really love everything about it. The, the, um, mm -hmm. the animations, the story, the storyline, the way you, um, it's always very difficult to make that first jump over this, over those spikes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mm -hmm. really try to capture these elements in my game as well. Uh, so also the cinematics are there, the, the high score is there, uh, it's all in there. The cheat codes are there, instead of wow. you had to type Prince Mega Hits in the original game and now you have to type Prince Mini Hit. So those were <laughs> little nice. fun things. Um, and I added some uh, unlockables as well, just to make it a little bit uh, more fun and uh, enjoyable to to play and discover. That's really cool. And for, for people listening, where, where might they be able to find that? Because I imagine they could just download it and play it in DOSBox? Uh, yes, yes. There's a website. It's called uh, miniprints.nl. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands, so it's a Dutch website. Uh, no, it's it's an English website, but the, the uh, it's NL at the end. So miniprints.nl. That's where you can find it. And there's both a DOS version and a Windows version. So you can play which version you ever, which one you like. The DOS version has to be played uh, in uh, in DOS and the Windows one you can, uh, so in, in DOS box maybe, or on a, you can play it on an original diskette. And the Windows version you can, uh, if it's too tiny, you can just uh, do the Windows key and then add, uh, type plus, Windows key plus to zoom in. That is really cool. And you said you had made games pr uh, prior to Mini Prince. Well, I, actually, time timeline aside, just tell us a little bit more about some other games you've created. Um, yeah. So in the in a when I was about fifteen years old and I learned uh, Q Basic, that was the first program that I used to program some games. Um, and the one, the, the very first game that I ever made was called Get G E T, hmm. and uh, it's like. Uh, it's a, a multiplayer game uh, with these smiley faces um, as characters. So, like Q, Q, Q basic or quick basic games are all set up uh, or based on these characters on screen. Mm -hmm. You could draw lines, but I couldn't do that uh, with my knowledge of programming. So I did it with uh, letters on the on the screen. Right. Um, 
and this one smiley face has to capture the other and you just hit the arrow keys to run after each other on the same keyboard so hmm. one has the arrow keys and the other one have somewhere in the middle it's not way uh, w a s d it's like i think y g h j or something mm -hmm. like that <laughs> um, and then they, they, the one runs away but has a, uh, a weapon because it can drop a mine uh, hmm. and the catcher uh, will die if he touches the mine and the other guy can pick up the mine again and then drop it again so yeah it's very simple and basic but yeah I was 15 so that was my first game I ever made wow that's not um, bad <laughs> and when we continue a little bit I made uh, an even simpler game which was called uh, Kyo and Kyo was uh, short for guillotine um, mm. so yeah where uh, heads get get to uh, get chopped off um, <laughs> and the idea is that just it's a multiplayer game where one person just meshes the down button and the other person meshes the up button and uh, <laughs> the down <laughs> button makes the blade go down and the up button makes the blade go up. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's the whole game actually. And, uh, and also still in ASCII art. Um, and it also has a counter on how many people die in the game. <laughs> so even when you when you restart the game, uh, it still has that counter on. So eventually you turn on and turn it on. You see, like you killed already one hundred and thirty-five people or so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, quite fun. That's great. But I was very young uh, <laughs> at the time, and uh, I just was uh, trying to trying things out, and uh, things were weren't that difficult back then. And later, um, kind of the second game I'm a little bit proud of uh, is Hangman 3D, mm. uh, which isn't a 3D game. It's uh, 2D, but it's just the character is uh, very self-minded that he, he thinks himself as a 3D character while, uh, while he isn't. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> He's yeah, just too proud of himself. Um, and it's like Hangman, but then, you know, the, the Hangman... You you play on a piece of paper and you have to guess letters to, or guess a word with letters uh, um, to, to find and guess this word. Uh, but then as a platformer. Hmm. So you're, uh, you're the guy who gets, who normally gets hanged, uh, but then he comes to life and he, um, the story of this game is that uh, St. Nicholas, uh, it's also a character in this game. All right, I'm, I'm going all, all kinds of directions now, but it's it's uh, um, the protagonist. I know it's not the protagonist. Uh, Hangman is the protagonist, and um, Sin Nicholas is the, the the boss of the game, and mm -hmm. he collects all the letters in the world, uh, so people can't write uh, um, poems to him, uh, so they can beg for presents. Hmm. Uh, so he, but I want, he wants to keep the for himself, and uh, he takes them to a big vault, and there he locks all these letters away. Um, and there's uh -huh. a during his trip to the vault, there's a hole in the bag of some letters drop out of the bag, and uh -huh. you can collect letters um, of which you think 
uh, will form the word, the password for the, uh, the, uh, the vault, the mm -hmm. combination of the vault. So if you have collected the right letters, then you will open the vault and then you can save the world so people can write poems again Aww. and ask for gifts. <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> that yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're, you're a part of the uh, Home Computer Museum team. How does that work? I mean, are you, there's computer, there's, is there computers as well? So can people play the games? I mean, we're talking like normal time. Let's just pretend this isn't COVID and somebody's listening to this sometime in the future. I mean, is that what <laughs> people can do? Are they just there to look? Can they play games? How, how does it all come together? Well, the Home Computer Museum uh, is located in Helmonds. Uh, translated to Hellmouth uh, in English, Helmond uh, in the Netherlands. And it's a museum that is, um, it's focused around the home computer. So it's the entire history of the home computer can be found there. And uh, all these games are, uh, are connected and, uh, and playable. Uh, of all, all these computers mm -hmm. are, are all set up in a way that you can instantly uh, grab the mouse and start uh, playing on them. Um, some mm -hmm. already have like a started game on them. Uh, some you just see the desktop and you can play around with mm -hmm. it. But it's all the original uh, hardware which you see. Um, and the, the mm. gorgeous thing about this museum is that it's, uh, it's big and it has all these uh, corners, uh, these time capsule corners. Um, so you see like an, an, an 80s kids room or like uh, an office space, uh, like uh, maybe a part of a living room um, or all different kind of uh, desks um, which are all displayed in a way that it, that it would be back in the day. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's all decorated with these time elements as well, uh, like the clocks, lamps, uh, wallpaper uh, behind the computer, uh, the desks, the, the chairs even, which you sit on, uh, are all from that same time period, uh, which makes every computer uh, gorgeous to just look at. and it really takes you back. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, and besides that, then I later I contacted this person uh, who owns the computer uh, museum, um, the home computer museum, uh, because I was in search of a new location for my collection. And uh, I thought that uh, PC games would fit perfectly with PCs. Uh, mm -hmm. Because then, yeah, you don't only have the machine, but also the games you use to play on those machines. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me, it was really one plus one is three. Yes. And, uh, Check out. Yeah, it was. It was all. We were all very excited about it, and uh, that's how it happened. So now I'm there, uh, displaying my games, all of them, which is really exciting. Yeah. Well, I, I that. The elephant in the room, I guess, would be uh, conversationally would be your game collection. So, um, <laughs> before uh, before I get more into details, I, I, the first question that comes to mind is: Do you 
how do you feel about them being in a museum? Obviously, they're very safe, but do you ever uh, get a bit of separation anxiety from them not being in the same house as you? Um, yes and no. Um, I mean, I, I can't even think about them fitting in the house and not being able to live in my house anymore. Uh, I need to make all my furniture out of big boxes. Uh, You've already got the chair. Yes, true. Yes, the, the PC King chair. The throne. The throne of games. Uh, but yeah, no, this is... Um, uh, when I started collecting games, it was just for nostalgic reasons, uh, but but the intention was always the same. I wanted to collect these boxes uh, because I was afraid that someday they would all be gone uh, and I wouldn't have uh, have a place where I could remember them, uh, see them uh, the way they were back then. Mm -hmm. So from that uh, mindset, I collected the games from my childhood. Uh, that's how it started. And then it uh, later I met a, uh, another collector, uh, Peter was his name, and he was known for having the largest collection of the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And we became friends. Uh, it was an older man and he was, uh, he was very passionate about his hobby. Uh, uh, and we, we uh, spoke with each other a lot. Uh, we saw each other a lot and we always were talking about these games. We weren't playing them as much, we were just talking about it for hours and hours. And um, one and a half year later, um, this uh, person died uh, of lung cancer. Mm -hmm. And uh, his collection then uh, eventually uh, ended up uh, in my hands uh, after a deal with his sons. He had two sons. Um, so I, I lost a great friend there, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, on the other hand, I gained his collection, uh, which was yeah. a, a big a thing. Heritage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sort of. Uh, I had to pay money for it though, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, but still worth it all the way. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it actually it, it took me quite a long time to realize that I was now the owner of the largest collection, at least in the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> and yeah, some time later, like a couple of years later, I discovered that I was, I had the largest collection in the world as well, uh, which was quite mind blowing. Yeah. Leads you to like pulling off getting a Guinness Book of World Records uh, certificate. It looks like uh, that was a bit of a process for you. They didn't just show up and say, yep, there it is. Check a box and hand it over, did they? It was a bit more than that. Yes, definitely. Well, they, they could have done that if I paid them more. Um, <laughs> I think it was a bit, uh, I'm not sure, $4,000 or so to, to make that happen, oh. um, which is a lot. And the other part would be to, uh, uh, so it could be that, or uh, I could make a picture of all my all the games myself. Each individual game. Exactly. Oof. Yes, so that was the path I chose. Yes. <laughs> so that takes time. It took me five years to do that. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and then there was the, the paperwork as well. Um, it 
there was this uh, like a, the judge person <laughs> yeah the, the judge person let's call him the judge person yeah, um, something like that <laughs> this guy uh he has a, this official title to be able to be a judge person um mm -hmm. and uh an, a notary that's the word ah there uh, you go <laughs> there was a, a notary and uh he was there with the counting uh we also uh, uh recorded uh, the whole counting process um, and it was all set and all he had to do was fill in the paperwork and then put the signature uh, to it and then uh, yeah. that would be that but then so but then he retired uh, a couple of months later and his signature wasn't valid anymore oh no so that sort of uh, made us uh, have to redo the whole counting process again uh, oh, wow. but i didn't want to do that um so we found another uh notary um and he made this notary's paper valid <laughs> if, mm, it, if okay, that makes yeah. any sense so he wrote yep. another paper to make this other paper valid in a way um <laughs> And that helped, but it, it took a lot of time to make it all happen. And then also these uh, official uh, uh, papers need to be translated in an official way by an official translator as well. And it also costs money. Um, and yeah, there, there's a lot of time lost there. So it almost took one and a half year to make that all happen and finish the whole process. So the counting was done in 2017, and I got my certificate in 2019. Okay, <laughs> that's incredible. It's definitely worth it. You, you are the the first, and more than likely the the last Guinness World Record holder that I will ever speak to. So it's it's, it's yeah. really it's really quite cool. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> what did you do today? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's really exciting. It was a, like a, a really a roller coaster ride for me to. To do all the counting, um, it, it was really cool to to, to uh, experience this whole process. And I didn't really do it for the title. I, I I don't mind if someone has a greater collection than mine. It's it's just I did it for the the fun of it and for mm -hmm. um, for yeah, just stepping into this world and and meeting new people and yeah. uh, and also being able to show my collection to the world. Uh, mm -hmm. Because already as a as a child, when I started collecting, um, my dream was always to share this with the world. I didn't want it to collect dust in my own room. I want this to to for for people to see, for people to enjoy and admire. Um, and that's that has always been my dream. So as soon as I was able to show this to the world in a museum. Um, yeah, it was really a dream coming true for me. Yeah, and yeah, it's and it's a, a great way to to honor your your late friend too. I'm sure he would be extremely proud of of what you've gone to do with uh with some of some of the you know combining your two collections to make the the world's largest. That that's really cool. Yeah, I can only hope so. <laughs> and I'd be remiss. I've got to ask. You know, we're all suckers for for you know top five lists and things like that. But I'm just curious. <laughs> Out of out of the size of your collection, could you give us like your your couple? I, I won't make you just do one, but could you give us like your couple of most prized boxes? Whether it's because you love the game or because the box was hard to find, you know, th things like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, that is a, a definitely a tough question. Um, well, let, let me. I can split it into a couple of groups, I guess. Um, I think my my all-time favorite game uh, would be Monkey Island One and Two. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, just the, the story, the um, the music, the the style and feel. Uh, I always love the pirate setting. Uh, and also the, the naive part of Guybrush Treepwood. He's just a very likable guy, and uh, I just I just loved every part of it. Um, so that's yeah, that's definitely my favorite of all time, uh, <laughs> all things considered. Um, but then there is uh, you can have a favorite because of the box. You can have the, uh, like mm. the box art, but also the box shape. Um, right. Also. Uh, favorite things that come in the box uh, or favorite uh, game related items mm -hmm. uh, for me the the one with the prettiest artwork on the front of the box that would be uh, Lara Bow and the Dagger of Amon Ra yeah great choice oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I so love that gorgeous art uh, yeah. artwork on the front of the box um, and I love yeah. also how it's inspired by uh, the, the art of Leindecker. Yes. Um, so GC Leindecker made, uh, used to make these Saturday Evening Post covers. Uh, and one of those covers, uh, it was like a, a sort of uh, paper uh, from 19, uh, the nine, yeah, 1900. Um, the year 1900, which he, he made a, 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 like a whole bunch of them. And one of the covers uh, inspired the, the cover art for Larabo, the Dagger of Amon Ra. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also have a copy of that paper. It's from 1905. Okay. So it's oh, an nice. antique piece. Uh, and when you see the, t the two next to each other, uh, it's you can really see the similarities. Uh, so beautiful. And that's also why the uh, Lara Bow, the Dagger of uh, Amon Ra, plays in this Lion Decker Museum. Uh, it's, uh, I believe it's sort of a tribute to the artist. Right. Which is amazing. Also, the, the main character, uh, Lara Bow, is also uh, uh, inspired by uh, art from Lion Decker, uh, another art piece. What would you say for um, your favorite shaped box? I, I, I'm going to just guess Gabriel Knight or Day of the Tentacle. Um, close, but no. Uh, no, it's actually for me, uh, I think I'm most excited about the 11th hour clockwork box. Mm. Mm. Um, of the way how it opens up uh, when you pull on the tray on the right side, the part on the left side opens up as well uh, as uh, as clockwork in a way, uh, or make believe clockwork. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's very nicely done, uh, and I love how it how the shape is, uh, and also the arm of the of the clock goes up towards the eleventh the, the eleven. Um, which is uh, amazing to me. Um, and then I think the box that I also love is uh, Ultra Bots, I believe. 
it's called. Yeah, Ultrabots, which has like a sort of mechanical box that you can uh, you can align it to have to create a box shape, but you can also uh, detach it a bit from each other. Not really detach it, but uh, stretch it a bit, and then uh, fold it in a way that it becomes like a I don't know a mechanical part. Uh, yeah, a really strange shaped box with an yeah a really interesting uh, way of movement. <laughs> I think you have to see it <laughs> to actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, then there's also the June box, which has like the sandworm popping out. And when you fold it, uh, you see this mouth of the sandworm opening and closing, which is really cool. Um, uh, there's also... Uh, of course, yes, the origami box from Gabriel Knight is beautiful. Also, the shape of the Prince of Persia boxes, one and two. Uh, they have like a, mm -hmm. uh, an hourglass shape. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love those. Those are really beautiful. Um, there is the, the Burn Cycle uh, limited edition box, uh, which has like a heat-sensitive front. So when you put your hand on it, uh, it, it sort of captures the print of your hand. On front of the box, right? Like those, like those T-shirts from the nineties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like all these uh, rainbow colors. You see your hand imprinted on the box, and then it slowly disappears again. And you can make your own images on the box, which is really cool. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, so I think that that's uh, the eleventh hour box is my favorite, and also the one from the seventh guest as well. It's it's a really cool mm -hmm. one. It's a book shaped one, and when you open up the book. Uh, you see like an illusion of a hallway with three oh, doors cool. and the door mm -hmm. in the back you can open and behind it is a VHF, uh, VHS tape of the making of. Wow, that is so much cooler than the, because the, the big box, I have just the hard box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Which is already amazing art as well on the front, like with the house and mm -hmm. the way the, the oh, letters beautiful. of the seventh guest is, uh, is depicted is really beautiful. But yeah, this is this special edition is really a step further. So there are really some gorgeous examples. There's also a really odd example, which is the box of Havoc, uh, which has the most, I, I wouldn't say ugliest, but maybe still the ugliest. <laughs> uh, it's made of, <laughs> how do you know, this pressed cardboard where you, yeah, where you, which you buy when you buy eggs. Uh, from right, the grocery right. store shop. Corrugated or something, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a really odd-shaped box, and it has a CD on the back with a, with some paper around it. And the shape of that box, it's, it's, uh, I can't really explain it. It's strange. It's, yeah, it's not from this world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, unfortunately, we've, we've bloody run out of time. It's, uh, time has gone by really quick. I'd... Uh, honestly, I'd like to have you back on, mate, because I feel like we're just kind of getting to some of the more, uh, yeah, more interesting the topics. With you, yes, my friend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, uh, well, it has been amazing with you guys to to talk about my passion and maybe even a little bit of your passion as well. Uh, we yeah. should definitely get more into it, maybe on another time. Um, and I think, yeah, for me, uh, I'm I'm very active on the. Uh, big box PC game uh, Facebook group. 
um, and that's also where a lot of other collectors are uh, are also uh, talking to each other about this, uh, sharing a lot of information. There are even some developers on there as well. Um, it's a really great group of uh, uh, where you can get in touch with other collectors with also these big box PC games. Um, that's one of the websites I can really encourage people to go to when you are also a big box PC game collector. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, when you ever visit the Netherlands, go to the uh, Home Computer Museum in Helmond and uh, experience this huge collection yourself. Uh, you would really be blown away. It's amazing to uh, and, and completely different uh, to be there in person instead of just seeing it on a picture. Um, and also a lot of games are playable uh, and if mm -hmm. you're lucky I would be there as well so we can talk a little mm -hmm. bit uh, so definitely worth a go coming soon my website of uh, pedestalgames.com uh, which I'm working on at the moment it's already there but it's uh, not finished yet <laughs> <laughs> so yeah work in progress so yeah thank you yeah, thank you so much, mate. I definitely, definitely need to do this again. Uh, perhaps next time we'll just get get right into the boxes, and uh, you, it kind of aroused my appetite when you brought up uh, things in the boxes. You know, the feelies that that, that could probably <laughs> be another uh, another hour or two conversation mm. that I'll look forward to. But um, all right. I guess in the meantime, I've got a I've got homework for the listeners as usual. Bloody, <laughs> we're a Facebook group. Uh, come check us out at Classic Gamers Guild on Facebook. Um, we are on Instagram at CGG Podcast. Just throw some G's at it. You'll you'll find us. Um, we're on Twitter at the CG Guild. Uh, send us an email if you like. Mail at ClassicGamersGuild.com. Uh, we do have a mailbag. Um, not episode, but a few questions to read out that we'll get to next week. So if you've written us, um, we've got them. We appreciate it, and we'll get to that next week. Um, otherwise, big thank you to all of our Patreons. Love you guys. Thank you for supporting us. Um, extra special thanks to Jay Holmes and Mark Fillion. Um, for being in that tier, check out Mark's game, Chinatown Detective Agency, on Steam. And that's all we got time for a huge huge thank you again so much to Anne brass for being here today check out his website pedestal games i'm bloody i'm out of breath kind of <laughs> i'm parched thank you very much it was it has been awesome it's been amazing thank you mate thank you everyone for listening don't do a murder